This is Near Dark Radio. Near Dark Radio. Near Dark Radio. Near Dark Radio. Welcome back to the show, folks. This is your host, John Gower, and I'm joined by returning guest, Sky Lemming. Sky is a strength coach, not a fitness coach. No. Sky is a what? White supremacist? No. Um, black metal enthusiast. Average, average black metal enjoyer. Average black metal enjoyer. Okay, you've, have you have you calmed down since you had? He just had a kid. Can I say that? Yeah. Okay. Congratulations on Thank that you. development. Yeah. We should. Uh, you should put up pictures right here, right there at that part of the screen. See, I'm pointing at my daughter right now. Right, right. Look how cute she is. Yeah, we're not gonna do that. Oh fuck. I do not. I do not believe in posting pictures of your children. Look, every everyone else's. Pictures of their kids are bullshit. I get that. But you don't know what you're missing out on. Oh, no. <laughs> no, you don't know what you're signing her up for 20 years from now. No, her face, like, she's at the stage now, obviously. She's young enough, so she doesn't have a permanent face yet. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's okay to She's still growing into I'll it. I'll post pictures of her all day long on Instagram or whatever. I'm not worried about it. But once, like, it settles and it's, like, not, you know, like... I just what feel like there's going to be deep fakes of her doing things in 20 years that you don't want there to be. Yeah, well, okay. Um, we're going to talk about some Bronze Age perversions today. We're going to talk about Nietzsche some. But first, I wanted to announce to everybody that Miss America is officially 100 years old. The pageant, not the person. Uh, I had a strange experience where I met a couple of friends down at a bar near here for drinks last night, and they were broadcasting the Miss America pageant. There were an inordinate amount of women in the bar. I noticed several wearing tiaras. We were wondering what was going on, and then, lo and behold, we were streaming Miss America. Was it exciting? Was it? Fun? It was not exciting. Nothing entertaining, nothing intriguing about it? No. Um, I mean, I can't imagine. It was that. sponsored by Disney, of course. Cool. Pedophiles mm. are going to pedophile. Yeah. Uh, what, what is the age range of this? Uh, it used to be like 15 to like 22. Mm hmm. Now, I looked it up, it's like 17 to 25. So they're like, hey, we're not, it's not, it's not that bad. She's 17. It's pedophilia light. It's pedophilia adjacent. Mm. Um, they did one of the more entertaining moments of the broadcast. We, were, we, we stood outside for most of the evening because it was insufferable and we couldn't talk over it. But when we were inside getting a beer, we looked up and they were, the announcer was introducing all of the Miss America alumni, all of the former Miss Americas. Mm -hmm. And the oldest ones were coming out first, yeah. you know, these Old 70, busted. 80 year old women. And they're like, here they come. Oh, look at them go. And then, and then the announcer, a woman, a progressive probably, you know, these girls were getting younger and younger as they were coming out. And she said, Wow, they just keep looking better as they come. And I was like, whoa. Whoa, you, you slipped up there, bitch. I bet you just lost your job. But um, Miss Tennessee did not win. Miss Alaska was crowned 
Queen of America last night. Queen of America. <laughs> <laughs> she'll be, I guess she'll be supplanting Jill Biden in the White House. What's the other pageant where it's like global? Miss Universe? Yeah, and there's like... I don't know if that's global, though. Well, there'd be like Miss Sweden or whatever, or Brazil, it's like all the... All the countries worth, you know, thinking about, I guess, have pretty ladies. Right. And it's like Miss Germany or something's like, it's always like a black chick from an Eastern European country or whatever that wins. Right, right, right. Well, I mean, there's a lot of African women that move to Europe that are stunning. Only the hot ones. Uh, Only the hot ones. (laughs) Um. Well, yeah, I'm so, I'm I mean, sorry, I'm sorry you had to endure that, man. Yeah, it was Sounds weird. Really it was like it was like we're watching this thing that started off as a post World War One marketing campaign to like was it boost. marketing for like beauty products or it was it was to it was started in Atlantic City, which was a resort town, and so it was to extend the tourist season there, so the businesses had more business for longer, right, and. To boost newspaper circulation, because you were posting these pictures of young girls in newspapers. Yeah, yeah. Okay, which you know, wholesome American. So that's where marketing. So that's you think it, that was one of the original seeds of, I don't know, trade culture. Oh, sorry, <laughs> that or just like using the female image to sell. Whatever. Oh no, I mean it coincides directly with the post World War One, mm-hmm. uh, using. Freudian tactics to market objects to people by using sex as opposed to just, hey, here's the product, buy it. Right. After World War I, all the propagandists who were employed by the government during World War I were like, ah, shit, I'm out of a job. How do I... How do I do propaganda in peacetime? Oh, marketing and PR. That's how we do it. This is somewhat related. It it could tie in, but... My own experience of that is maybe we talked about this on another podcast, but I did um, one year off the grid and uh-huh. um, I didn't have, I didn't even have books to read. Like that wasn't allowed. Um, completely cut off from society. Like I didn't, I didn't have any technology. Like, so like monastic. It was very monastic. It was like being in a monastery and in the army and in prison all rolled into one. Um, that sounds hot. Basically, like you had, you're allowed to bring a particular type of knife, a particular type of tomahawk, some wool clothes for the wintertime, and like the rest of that shit, you have to like craft yourself. Right, basically. right, right. Anyways, uh, <clears throat> that whole year, I had basically no sex drive whatsoever. It was completely gone now, one one reason is because I wasn't surrounded by attractive women. Like there were no attractive women there, but still there were like, women there. Yeah, just no. There were women there, and you, you would think like after a certain point you'd start finding them attractive too. Right. It didn't really happen for me. Um, actually, part of me going into that experience was like, oh man, I'm gonna like meet some hot wilderness babe, and we're gonna like you know this is gonna be the fucking fertile <laughs> ground for this awesome cool relationship. Never happened, but um. Once I got back into civilization and, you know, had my initial panic attacks and just, you know, the culture change, like the 
yeah, yeah, yeah. The reassimilation was over. All of a sudden, the sex drive came back, and the only then I started thinking about it. It's like, well, what's what's the deal? And it's like, well, now I'm like surrounded by women in yoga pants and wearing makeup and high heels, and I see you know pictures of yeah, um, glittering images, of unreasonably sexy attractive women, women right. on magazines and in commercials, and um, I was like, wow, it's like we're just constantly being inundated with uh, sexual imagery. Yeah. Um, and I never looked at things like high heels or tight pants or makeup as being sexual or seductive or arousing or like offensive. And right, now right. I have a complete, I mean, obviously I have a completely different perspective on. So you think women action. should wear burkas is what you're saying. I mean, <laughs> ISIS is not totally wrong about everything. <laughs> Islam, Islam is right about women. We got yeah. one. We got one. We got one check mark ticked off the list of things we're going to get Sky to say today. <laughs> no, but uh, obviously that year spent away from all of it. Right. I opened my eyes up to a lot of things, but I just had no idea how much our, like, just my personal hormonal environment is affected by the stimulus. Right. You know? And it's yeah. like. And it's really apparent, like it, it became really apparent to me. I mean, I watched uh, Century of the Self, which is an amazing documentary that everyone, every listener should run. Don't walk to Century of the Self. It's on YouTube, I'm sure, uh, that describes the history of the PR and marketing industry in America. But so I was, you know, intellectually aware of the fact but it wasn't it wasn't really visceral to me until probably about a year and a half ago when we all got thrown onto social media for an inordinate amount of time every day and i realized how physically ill mm -hmm. the stimulation from social media was making me and how just cynical and very cynical i was becoming Seeing people post and going, oh, what is your fucking motivation for that? Oh, yeah. It's not, hey, guys, just wanted to shout out this local business, blah, blah. It's, it's, you're not supporting a local business. You're, you're, you're trying to show that you support local businesses. It's you. It, what, it's you what that you're really irks me even more than that. Same vein. I'm noticing the same thing, but people are not even promoting anything bigger or exterior of themselves. They're simply a nobody promoting themselves, right. behaving in a way, typing certain captions in a way that kind of like indicates this, like maybe even just subconscious drive or like belief that they're going to like be important. Yeah. And I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. This is so I mean, weird. we talked you're, about this last time. You're but 37 it's... and you're making an Instagram post that 85 people will see and, and you, you have this like weird, arrogant air about you. Yeah. Like no one's going to fucking remember you when you're dead. What's what's the weirdest to me is the gay dudes, and I, I assume straight women do this too, um, that will post thirst traps, like shirtless pictures of themselves. Oh, yeah, I do that. And Yeah, you do do that. I mean, you own a gym, so mm, it's kind of a business it's card. Gray thing. area there. I give myself like one shirtless selfie every twenty pictures. If okay. I stay around that ratio, I don't feel too douchey. Anyways, well, continue. You are douchey, but Thank the, you. No, you know, the sometimes uh, women just don't feel fresh and they need a douche, and I figure <laughs> I'll be the douche they want, not the douche they need. <laughs> 
Oh, what was I going to say? Oh, no. The gay dudes that post the thirst traps. And then they'll caption it like, turned on my heat for the first time this year. Brr. And it's like, no, no. Or what's no, that? that's not that's not a life event what's, that we need to know about. What's that famous actress who thinks she's a guy now? Michaela Peterson. <laughs> no, she's a, she played a, she was in that movie Juno. Oh, uh, I know forehead. what you're talking about. Yeah, huge forehead. What's her name? Uh, his or its name? I'm not calling her a he. I don't know what because I don't know which one they transitioned. Her is not to. a fucking he. It was a her. It still is a her, but. Okay. Now her looks like a fucking teenage boy. Right. I know who and, you're talking about. Yes. Oh, what's her fucking go name? on with your thoughts. Anyways, she recently posted a uh, picture uh, with her fucking washboard six-pack abs, and she's standing in front of the mirror looking like a 13-year-old boy with a giant forehead and a girl face. And the, <laughs> cap- the caption is something like, mirror works. Oh, God. Or something like, my phone works, too. Oh, good. It's like, imagine. <laughs> well, well, do your genitals still work is my question. <laughs> so fucking douchey. And I just I think about these people who are trying really hard to be the opposite sex. And I wish I could be a fly on the wall sometimes when they're around like other proper biological males and. See how they are, are they trying like do they put up the act then too? Right. Like right. are they just like, yeah, dude, so like pussy. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like or are they like, you know, hyper contrarian, yeah. like trying yeah. to be competitive like, and everything. So yeah. weird. <laughs> yeah. Well, I decided we talked last night while we were being subjected to Miss America that if I transitioned and Oh, you would have to try to enter. They would like, force I could, you to all win. I could. All I had to do was just keep turn around and call everybody homophobic or transphobic. Yeah, and I would get to the top within a year. That's way. That's how you shoehorn yourself into any position you want now, right? And I thought it would be funny if I got there. You know, got got Miss America, and then just pulled down my pants and started swinging my dick around. Yeah. And like, don't, like if you have any, that would be the ultimate this, flex. That would be the right? ultimate flex on the feminists. Yeah, fuck women. That's yeah. what you're saying. Just drop the mic. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, I did notice. I, I read through the the bios. They had like a list of the competitors on some inconsequential website that no one needs to go to, and they gave a little a little short bio of each one. And all of the they, – they had their – including their college majors on there. And the vast majority of their majors tended to be things like business management, mass communications, broadcast journalism, marketing slash public relations, communication, social work, political science, strategic communication, business administration. So all ladies aspiring to nothing more than a place in the America's professional managerial class. Mm. Which they'll end up totally hating, like 90% of them, oh, yeah. if they ever oh, got there. Of course. There were a couple of, there were a few theater majors. That was the other one. Yeah. And I was like, okay, that makes sense. You're, you're an actress or aspiring actress. But it was just, it was just odd. How long do you think it's going to be until this country is just a third world nation and everything we're talking about right now is just completely ridiculous sounding and irrelevant? I mean, selfishly, I'd like it to happen after I die just because, but, but also, you know, 
my curiosity is peaked. Yeah. And as the Red Scare Girls often say, their their biggest bulwark against suicidal thoughts is they don't kill yourself now. Something even more retarded is coming. Don't like, you want to see it? I like Jim's uh, Jim Goad's motivation for living as long as possible, and that is so that we can outlive all the people we completely, absolutely hate. Right. That's that's um. That's who's Jim Goad? Jim Goad. The book I recommended to you, the uh, the Redneck Manifesto. Oh yeah, I picked that up. Did you flip through it at all? Yeah, I started reading it. The first couple chapters is all you need. You just need right, to get up right, to right. the point where. That's, you, okay, then I read it. All you need it for really is to learn about um, how many white slaves there were at the at the uh, formation right. of there's, this country. And my thing is, there's plenty of books that don't write like a an 18 year old pimpled incel. Like I, 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 his style is funny, but yeah. after like two pages of it, you're like, dude, it like, can get, it can get overwhelming. If you're, if you're, if you're going to be re- recounting history to me, I don't need, I don't need all the fucking hyperbole you know, and gay shit. I, I, I feel the same thing as you. And what, actually what I, the way I got into Jim goat is actually just listening to him speak. And see, that might be more tolerable. It's way more entertaining. And it, it just, well, it just adds more context and it's more human. Right, but right. It, sometimes when people write in that kind of sarcastic, edgy kind of way, right. it seems contrived. And it's, it's like, yeah. did you sit down with a, a thesaurus and like try to like come up with as many interesting sounding words just to write a normal fucking sentence? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because he sound, it sounds pretentious in one step, in one breath. And then he'll say something like, Right. Fucking crackers. Well, also, and you're like, what? Uh, what? <laughs> a lot of his books are just um, articles. And then it's a, like a, it's like a compendium of articles. Yeah, yeah, And that yeah. can be overwhelming, too. Like a, a writing style might be good for an article, but right. not for, you know, 300 right. pages. Well, this is a good segue to something that probably should have been an article or a series of tweets, but was compiled into a book and sold... To much critical acclaim, uh, this I came across this Bronze Age pervert character. That's a super quick, easy book. Did, well, did you I'm have not the same experience? I, I'm not going to read it. You should. It's fun. You could, it? you could literally read it in a day. Half a day. That's One still morning. a day out of my life. It's fun. Well, Have you, have you heard, his po- have you heard the podcast? Huh? Have you heard the podcast? He has a podcast? Yeah, it's super secret. I'll send you the. Okay. I'll send you my yeah, Google. Send me the RSS feed. I'll send you the files. Okay. 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 It's really funny because he he puts on this really convincing but fake Russian accent. Oh boy. And he's always pretending like he's in some like well, here, we secluded have, part of the world. We have some boomer listeners. Okay. Let's explain what Bronze Age Let's pervert is to these people. Bronze Age pervert is an anonymous Twitter account that posts. Um, Exhortations for men to be masculine, virile, Bronze Age. Yeah. Qu- with scare quotes around it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think he actually knows what the Bronze Age was like. But um, he's an anonymous. I, I want to stress that he's anonymous because I'm going to come back to this a number of times. He kind of grew up in this or became notable in this realm of Twitter called Frog Twitter, which I think is like a reference to. Kekistan. The, yeah, Pepe the Frog mm-hmm. and kind of troll 
troll yeah. culture. Yes. Um, and he released a, what I guess is like his best tweets as a book that he probably expanded on, went into more depth, but essentially it's just a compendium of thoughts. Yeah. Many of which are sarcastic, many of which are insincere, many of which are just intended to be shocking. It's just, it's like the 2020 version of someone who is reacting to modernity. Right. With the solution being, um, we need to reclaim our masculinity by essentially becoming pirates. Pirates and 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 uh, severely uh, uh, sarcastic and hateful towards um, anything that uh, promotes weakness. And, yeah. Um, um, rampant consumerism. Right, but again, yeah. like, well, this is probably from behind the paywall, so the listeners that are not paying won't know that we mentioned that. Compassion is the best way to fight the mind virus that's taking over, has taken over, excuse me. Right. Well, I mean, the Buddhist in me is Modern is culture. reading BAP, just like laughing, like finding some of it as like literally true and then other parts just literally fucking funny and irreverent and just cool and entertaining. Right. Anyone who can sit down and, and read something like BAP or Mike Ma or... I don't know anyone Can't who's just plot. anyone who's just being edgy for the sake of being edgy and and read it completely serious, injecting that into their veins. I mean, like this is how I have to orient my life. Is well, that's fucking cringe. Ultimately. It's 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 cringe as fuck. Yeah, I find all of it to be cringe as fuck. Um, it's like so. I I mean the excerpts that I've seen remind me of. I mean, it just sounds like this guy is translating Nietzsche for retarded people that spend too much time on Twitter and are That's exactly of what I need. Tw- tw- Nietzsche. Well, I'm too retarded to sit down and, and have the attention span to read Nietzsche. No, I, I, I definitely, like, I, I could, I guess, but my, my attention span really is um, not, it's not, I don't have a pre-modern attention span like you do. John, and so I need I need. BAP. <laughs> I don't have a pre-modern attention span <laughs> I need, either. I need BAP to tell me in a silly Russian accent what the bug men are doing. The bug men, and um, and yeah, how to ride the tiger or whatever. Ride the tiger. Yeah, yeah. I I, I think it's gay. I think it's gay <laughs> nerds. And my 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 biggest objection to it is that he's anonymous. He's this anonymous yeah, author. Yeah, I don't, I don't like anonymity. I don't either. I don't appreciate that. He, he, he recently had a, uh, someone leaked a picture of his face. Ooh. Yeah. Is he ugly? Is he a bug He's man? actually, he looks like a very handsome person of British or Western European descent. Blonde oh, hair, man. blue eyes, pale skin. Well. I mean, but that could be fake. There's no right. You, I mean, it like, could all be fake. That's yeah. the problem with the anonymity thing. Like the anonymous crowd on Twitter. So again, for all the boomers, Twitter is just crawling with all of these anonymous accounts 
of people that they, you know, they're not showing their face or they have some celebrity's face instead of theirs. They have some dumb name. No one knows who they are. And the vast majority of them just post insincere, you know, what do you call it? Edgelord shit just to get a rise out of people. And, you know, I can understand if you're, well, okay, my first problem with the anonymous people is that they're perpetually online. They're anonymous because they don't want to lose their job mm-hmm. or they don't want to lose friends and family for saying some of the shit they say. But then they're spending hours a day on Twitter saying stupid shit. Strike one. If you, if you don't want to lose friends and family for saying stupid shit, don't say stupid shit. Two, you, don't, you can't tell if they're sincere or not because you have no idea who they are. You have no idea what they stand for. Most of them probably don't stand for anything. But then when you get to someone that's anonymous that is literally proposing that we return to traditional masculinity, which includes, you know, strength, honor. aggression. Honor. Honor. Yeah, that's a big one. Courage, mm. straightforwardness, transparency. Morning wood. Morning wood. If you, if you guys, if if you wake up and you don't have a rock hard boner, you need to go get checked. I'm just saying that right now. Like, you should be able, look. If I was trying to make a serious point look, here, if if you get shit faced, drunk, and you wake up in the morning and you don't have a boner. Yeah, that's a problem. Like, it might be because you got drunk and your test levels are low. But if you wake up after getting shit-faced and you're hungover and you have a rock-hard boner, you're doing pretty good and you need to help your friends out. In in what way? Um, Share your boner with them? Take a picture and be like, dude... Start sending dick pics. (laughs) See, this is where this this kind of (laughs) logic goes. No, look, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I, if you're, I, I, don't, like, I don't disagree with what you're saying. But there what? are aspects of masculine, like I. For, so caveat: I understand anonymity from the perspective of like you don't want to get fired from your job. Okay, great. I have a friend that comes on this podcast. He goes by a pseudonym because he doesn't want to fucking lose his job. And I have him on because he's smart as fuck. He's got lots of interesting things to say. He's not sitting here preaching about how we need to be more masculine. Someone's got to say it, though. What's wrong with that? It doesn't. Are, it's, you, are you saying it's it's in, it's it's preaching masculinity? Preaching masculinity is incongruous with anonymity. Yes, I can see that. However, what I will say, even though I pretty much agree with you, is that anyone who is speaking against my political enemies or societal enemies, even even if they're a shitty person. At the end of the day, like they are an ally to me, and Ooh, so yeah, I'm not the the enemy. Not on that. Page the enemy of, of my enemy is definitely my friend in some way. Does it mean I want? That's a politics of desperation. Okay, well then I'm desperate, but <laughs> like it doesn't mean I'm gonna like have dinner with them. It doesn't mean I'm gonna hold their hand or go to their birthday party or fucking. Well, I'm not asking you, know, you to do that, but, but you're saying you're you politically know, allied with them, and that's to some extent. Anyone that's going to lash out against... How do you ally with someone you can't see or know? That's the thing. I'm not... Maybe I'm not attaching my allegiance to that person, 
but I'm attaching some allegiance to their work or uh, their their ideas. Right. You know. Sure. Like, I would recommend that people read Brunge Age Purpert, if not just for its extremely... I would recommend people read Nietzsche. Yeah, that too. I would recommend people listen to doesn't people... Have, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. Not no. everyone wants to read Nietzsche. Not everyone... Like, honestly, dude, like... Well, then listen to Tim Dillon. People, Tim Dillon is yeah, one of the most totally. virulent critics yeah. of all of modern yeah. society. See, he says things that would get him shot by the FBI. Right. He does it not only under his real name, yeah. but with video. There's video sure. evidence. And, and guess what? Way more people listen to Tim Dillon. True. Way more people read Nietzsche. But it doesn't mean you can't also enjoy BAP. It's not all or nothing. It's I'm like not me- saying you can't enjoy BAP. I'm just saying it's, it's, it seems like a futile situation to me. Look, his delivery, he's not saying anything new. No. But not. his delivery is his own flavor. It's original in the way he's delivering it. And it it taps a nerve in certain people. And they're like, ah, cool. And you know what? That might just be the doorway someone needs to get into things that you would prefer. You know what I mean? I would, I mean, I, part of me hopes Are that. Are you being contrary for the sake of being contrary? No, no, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> part of me hopes that it would lead people to read things like Nietzsche or. Mein Kampf. <laughs> or Mein Kampf. Yeah. Um, but it's my my biggest concern is that it leads people. So I went into I went onto these <clears throat> Twitter spaces, which are a new thing. There, it's like Clubhouse, but it's on Twitter. And I'm, I'm never. By the way, I never get on Twitter. I have a Twitter account someone made for me. Oh yeah, I found it last year. Uh, I don't know what's going it on. It looks like you're an aspiring model. Sweet. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> a I don't, twink model. I know me. that Twitter is a big cultural force and it's like where, you know, uh, probably like 5% of the users are doing all the talking. And right. unfortunately, it's like where people get their politics or whatever or their news. Well, it updates. is a good news aggregate yeah. because. I'm right there with you, boomers. You can. I don't, I don't tweet. I don't know what a Twitter is. It's fine. Don't Anyways. don't get on, mom. Stay off of Twitter. Yeah, but they have these things called spaces where you can get in and actually have like you know audio conversations with people, like on Clubhouse. So you're all you're talking to each other. Gotcha. And the anonymous people are just fucking insufferable. Mm-hmm. They they're insincere. They put on fake voices. They have things to like change their voice, and they'll just say like there's there's been several rooms that I've been in where. A black a guy, what looks like a black guy, like they have a black guy's face for their icon. Oh, so they got the face. Will come in technology too. Well, no, it's just it's uh, they just screenshotted a, a oh, black it's, guy's it's face. It's just a still photo, like a right. Okay, right. Yeah, you're not. It's not video. Okay. And they'll start. They'll, it's they'll, gonna be that way. Soon. You're, there's. It's clearly this fake black accent. Yeah. That they're putting on. That's fucking hilarious. And they're just screaming. It's, <laughs> but it's fucking stupid. Like, you're, you're trying to have a serious conversation I, with people. And well, these then anonymous don't, don't bots, be on Twitter. Huh? Then don't be on Twitter. Well, I, I say the anonymous people, if you're too scared, if all, like. Yeah. It's stupid. Don't. Right. No one should be on Twitter. Right. Let's just go Agreed. ahead and say that. Right. Mm-hmm. I had no idea this was going on. It's cool, though. It's fucking gay. It's cool and, like. Uh, the way a train wreck is cool. Like, you can't help but to be like, whoa. Yeah, I'll give you that. And then Jordan Peterson, 
our friend, uh, our, you know, slowly being poisoned by his daughter, got on Twitter yesterday and said, I am increasingly convinced that Twitter anonymity is the refuge of scoundrels and fiends. Say it and stand behind it or hold your tongue. Now, I've had a lot of nasty things to say about Jordan Peterson in the past few weeks on this podcast, but I am completely with him right there. Yeah. When he, when he stays in his lane, I like Jordan Peterson. Right, right. Well, he objects to that turn of phrase. Stay in, stay in your lane. Well, well what, if, what if I have expertise outside of my lane, bucko? Yeah. You know. No, when, when, when he's just talking about, you know, cleaning your room and, you know, uh, having integrity. Being right, being a being a good member of your family, and right, you know, like you know, when, when he just talks about like what an utter tragedy life is and how to deal with it, I <laughs> yes. love that. It's yeah. great. Yeah, no, it's great. It's great, and it's that's the side of masculinity that I think these anonymous accounts are completely blind to, mm-hmm. the the ones that are promoting masculinity. Again, I'm not talking about all anonymous accounts. I'm talking about the ones that get on there and they're like, hey, bro, it's leg day. You need, to, you need to find a woman and get her pregnant and have as many babies as you can right. for the upcoming race war. Right. It's like, dude, Send, shut uh, the fuck I up. Got, I got something for you to uh, fuel your hate boner for mm. all these. All right, let's, let's go. Have you, have you stumbled upon the, uh, I guess, like the subculture that it has spawned? Like the Which whole one like do you mean like the whole like solar bro thing like what's a solar bro like do you even tan your balls bro oh god like do you, like they're all like into like waking up early and tanning their dick out in the sun and then like drinking a shake of nothing but pure liver and raw eggs and see right and then they'll like go hike up a mountain and like post a fucking Instagram video about it and then like go lift weights naked with their pregnant wife and, and like, just talk about like how if you're not like pumping out kids and drinking liver shakes and sanding, you know, sunning your balls, you're a faggot. None of which these people are actually doing. Maybe some of them. I, I highly doubt it. They did it for two weeks and took a shitload of pictures. And, uh, now they just have a backlog to where they can post all year long. And, and it looks like they do it every single day. Right. Uh, but yeah, it's just, no, it's, it's really, it's, um, a lot of it to me is when <clears throat> it's not authentic, obviously. Right. Y- you have the originator or someone who is authentic about it and. Which they, you don't know if they're authentic about it or not. Well, let's just, I mean, it could be literally anything. Let's give them the benefit it, it of the doubt. Be, uh, it could just be a music genre that's new and someone created it. Like whatever. Billie Eilish. Sure. Uh, or like original black metal artists. And now mm-hmm. it's just like. 30 years later, it's just being regurgitated over and over in kind of an insincere way. And it's right. just kind of an aesthetic now. It's a look. You know, you got posers. It's and, a brand. Right. And um, and people are promoting it as if it's like their true identity. Right. And right. It, you get a lot of tryhards and people making asses of themselves. And, um, and a lot of people identifying with brands. Right. Literal brands. Like you might as well say that you identify with the Colgate aesthetic. Like, right. okay, great. I guess what I'm thinking is like I'm watching these solar bros is what I call them. And uh, I'm like, if you were really 
living off grid, if you were truly traditional, if these things were like truly a part of your life, it would seem really insignificant and sec- it'd just be like what you do and you wouldn't be taking pictures of it to right, right. on the internet. Exactly. You would just exactly. be doing it. Uh, <clears throat> and so to me, it's like... You would be Ted Kaczynski without the bombs. <laughs> when I get on social media, I want to see things that um, I find profound or artistic right. or whatever. And it's like when you're just talking about how cool your lifestyle is or like I don't know. Uh, You're turning yourself into a brand. Yeah. That's all that social media is really good for. Yeah. Is branding. Now, if you, like, again, like if you have some artistic endeavor that you've worked on and you want to advertise it on social media. Or if you have a business. Or if you have a business, if you have some sort of creative venture that you've, that you're engaged in, I completely understand using social media for that. I wish social media was more of that. But peak social media, the people that, get the most traction, the people that drive the business model of social media are what you just described. Influencers, people that have branded themselves and they're selling their lifestyle choices and their lunch and their body mass index and their thigh gap as... Motherfuck your thigh gap, John. Did you you just say you're going to fuck my thigh gap? I bet you have a thigh gap. (laughs) I don't know. Let's see. Depends on how I turn my legs. Look, I like Bronze Age pervert. You don't. But, you know, once I... I think he's probably a gay nerd. Once I heard him call Chicago, Chicago, I was sold. Oh, boy. Well, how did they get... Give me another one of those. How did they get a tuna fish elected as mayor there? Wait, what? Mayor of Chicago. Lori Lightfoot. Oh, God. She looks like a tuna fish. She looks, she looks like, like a Don Knotts mixed. Like, remember that Don Knotts movie where he plays a fish? Yeah. He voices a fish. Man, she's creepy. She's what is like, that movie? She looks like a homeless person slash tuna fish. Right. Slash zombie lady. Have you seen her wife? I have not. Yeah, check her wife out. She's like a totally normal looking white lady. What is it called? Like The she Incredible can- Mr. Limpet. Yeah, no, she looks just like the cartoon fish that Don Knotts... I thought he voiced it, but I guess he plays alongside it. The best part is how she dresses, too. She dresses like a a 50-year-old man car salesman who, just, yeah. who like just woke up and scrambled out of the door. She's a goon. If you, if you want um, real, real funny criticism of Lori Lightfoot... Tim Dillon. Tim Dillon. Oh, it's great. It's fucking hilarious. Yeah. Um, well, okay, so I came across this article, speaking of Nietzsche, former guest of the pod, Blake Smith, if you want to go back and check out our episode on biopower, it's quite informative. Um, he wrote an article in Unheard with the tenacious headline, is Emmanuel Macron a Superman? Superman being a reference to Nietzsche's concept of the Ubermensch, the overman, which I think is a better better translation just because Superman is such a cartoonish Mm. word in American culture now. Um, 
let's go ahead and unpack what Nietzsche meant by Ubermensch before we get into this. Nietzsche viewed humanity as a means to an end. It is not an end in itself. Kind of a, almost an evolutionary conception of humanity and that in the future there would be something greater than us, something more than us. Right. We are not the end of evolution. Right. We are the vessel right. for something greater. Right. And so he called that next evolution of man the Ubermensch, the Overman, the Superman, whatever you want to say. The singularity. The singularity. See, that's what I think the Ubermensch is going to be. Well, yeah. I think it's going to be purely technological. Yeah, just a cloud of nanobots. Cloud of nanobots. Cloud of Twitter anons. Um, and... There have been different interpretations of this. A lot of people in the, you know, after the rise of Hitler and Stalin accused Nietzsche of sort of paving the way for Hitler and Stalin, which they viewed as embodiments of the Superman, the Ubermensch here on Earth. And they're like, yeah, Nietzsche, we have to condemn Nietzsche because he's advocating for the, you know, fascist politics of Hitler and Stalin and Mussolini. I mean, they were... Definitely appropriated by all kinds of political extremists or... What, Nietzsche? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. E everyone uses Nietzsche. To, everyone uses Nietzsche. To, uh, to justify their ideology. Foucault used Nietzsche. Meanwhile, Nietzsche would be rolling in his grave if he knew that. Right. Um, and, there's, and then there was another movement of scholars that were trying to say, hey, no, Nietzsche was not a political theorist. He was talking about more personal morality and existential shit. Yeah. And then there's this third way, this third thinker. I just think it's totally contrived bullshit. It's, I think it's interesting. So I, Hugo Drocon, Hugo, which I love, I love, I love how people say Hugo here in the United States. Much and better. They don't, they don't realize, yeah, they don't realize how ugly the name Hugo is in yeah. French. It sounds like someone's doing something to your butt. Hugo. When, when you're yeah. not expecting it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's the sound you make in between biting the pillow. Uh, but he's a this Hugo is an ardent supporter of Emmanuel Macron, a, a fig, the French president, a figure that many view as a stereotype of the bug man, mm. the you know neoliberal globalist. Mm got cranked out of a, the banking industry, yeah. and now he's just, uh, Probably you know. Funded by Chinese slush funds. Right, right. Homeless and yet welcome everywhere. Mm. No national affiliation. Yeah. No, no cultural attachments. Just you could, you could put him in Shanghai, and he would do the exact same thing that he's doing in France. But he crushed the uprising, so he's a badass. Well, no, what, what this political theorist is saying is that this is exactly what Nietzsche was talking about mm. when he described the Ubermensch because he said he will be a person divorced from traditional Christian morality, mm. unconstrained by traditional Christian morality, mm. uh, divorced from a specific cultural, what, responsibility? Yeah, you could say that. Nietzsche used the term good European to describe this type of person, which is, you know, a good European is a cosmopolitan, a, you know, very 
aware of different culturally diverse things. Somebody that's not... That's Nietzsche's definition of a good European? Yeah. He abhorred the Germans for being so parochial and fixated on their culture, which is one, one reason why it's absurd to associate him with Nazism. Yeah, I mean, because he talks about how essentially anyone could have the spirit of... Or maybe I'm thinking of Evola, but it's similar to Evola in the sense like Evola talked about how anyone on any continent could manifest the Aryan spirit or the Aryan soul, which is like kingly, you know, and it's like, meanwhile, Hitler's saying, you know, even the lowliest like German janitor is more royal or or uh, right, right, deserving right. of respect than like an emperor in some other nation or right. of some other race. And so even Hitler Evola, tried to make it ethnically, culturally right. race-based. The Ubermensch can be manifested anywhere. I guess, right. I guess like a, uh, a white nationalist who doesn't completely disagree with us would just say, there's just more of those in the ethnically Aryan that are likely to pop up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and that person would have to go down to lower Alabama and show me all the Ubermensch crawling around down there. Full of Ubermensch, man. And <laughs> Uber babes, too. If you can eat your own weight in fried chicken, that is it's a one sun. step towards... It's just an indication of Uber the man. superior race, clearly. <laughs> when you can't see your own cock, definitely Ubermensch. Well, this is so quote from this article again by this is this is Blake Smith recounting the theories of Hugo Drocon. So I'm not I don't know if we can necessarily attribute these ideas to Blake himself. But he in his article, he says, quote, in Nietzsche's Great Politics, which is a book by this Drocon, the political theorist sympathetically articulates the German philosopher's, Nietzsche's, desire to unify Europe through a cultural elite emancipated from Christian morality and ruling over a servile mass. If read alongside Drocon's essays cheering on Macron, the suggestion is that Nietzsche's dream has already been achieved, not only in France, but in all of Europe and in America. In America... It stands out more, not necessarily in terms of government, but in terms of corporate structure. So, like, you know, Jeff Bezos is your Superman. Um, Mark Zuckerberg is your bug, uber, uber bug man. Mm -hmm. Corporate and, you know, all the nameless people that run Walmart and Raytheon. Raytheon. Sure, Raytheon. <laughs> Raytheon. Yes. Raytheon. Um. But I mean, that's it's an interesting it's an interesting concept because Nietzsche viewed democracy as the force that would hollow out mm. human society and sort of turn once robust what parochial communities right. into hollow corporate. Democracy is what kills the post Enlightenment era. Of like right. everything being relative and free and, and it's like, well, freedom doesn't really bring about the highest order. No, 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 no. 
And you can see that in our, like we just did a whole episode on pop culture. You can see that in the, the culture we consume. It's lowest common denominator. You look at country music, for example, or rap, right. or any, any style of music, like right. black metal you just mentioned. Mm -hmm. Look at it at its inception, mm -hmm. and then look at it yeah, after it's been mainstreamed. Mm -hmm. You can make that argument about most aspects of American culture. And the argument of either Blake Smith or Drocon, I'm not sure, is that that force is exactly what Nietzsche meant when he talked about how disgusting democracy was because it takes culture, turns it into pulp that you're hollowed out, your hollow man, if you want to put it that way, right. T.S. Eliot, can then consume with abandon while his ubermensch or uberbugman rulers get on with the business of... What do you think their end Designing game is? Designing the new world. Like, conversations always like this, at least, always lead me to go, okay, well, that's all interesting, and it seems like that's what's happening, And but what's the end game? Like, what's their end game? If you could even possibly imagine, like, getting inside the mind of someone like a Bezos or a Zuckerberg, like, what the fuck is the end game? I think, um, I think Ray Fox said it on this podcast the end game is that these people are looking at the just the energy crisis that that's coming as we continually populate the globe we continually need more energy to produce food clothing to produce the material goods needed to survive not to mention electricity which we're all addicted to not to mention plastics, which we're all addicted to. The production of that energy so far is increasingly polluting the atmosphere. So these people are seeing that and they're going, okay, well, this is how we take steps to get off this planet. This is how we take steps to impose austerity measures on massive swaths of the population so that we can live in our bubbles or whatever, you know, whatever technology they so need. So that we can eat our filet mignon while everyone else lives in the pods and eats the bugs. Correct. So really we're the bugmen. <laughs> Interesting turn. So like what you're saying sounds like, um, like a very ruthless form of compassion from the elite. It's like we That's a good way of putting it. We know what's best for all of you. Yes. You're all powerless to do anything about it anyways. You're all too busy living in squalor and having too many children and uh, you're dumb. And you have no actual power. And it doesn't matter how cold-hearted we look. We basically uh, know what we need to do in order to advance the species forward into the stars. And Right. I mean... Into the stars and into the metaverse. You know... Oftentimes, usually when I'm um, tripping balls, but this is also a sober thought of mine too. <laughs> uh, I really like science fiction, and I'm really into uh, like the grim, dark uh -huh. uh, Warhammer Forty Thousand universe, and it's it's just this ugly, nasty, far off uh, future where you know the technolo technologically advanced everything, huge starships, you know. 
um, just completely fantastical futuristic shit is going on. And right. it's like, or you could just watch a, a little bit more normal sci-fi, whatever. I mean, j- just the idea of, say, a fleet of spaceships that can go to other solar systems. I cannot imagine how a species, any species, could get to that point um, without first becoming completely ruthless and uh, becoming um, very totalitarian. And also becoming or, a hive Or mind. not necessarily totalitarian, at least just like extremely authoritarian. Right. Um, all of that requires so much work <laughs> and planning. So much work, and, so much obedience, yep. so much cooperation. Just organization in general. Right. And it's uh, so... <clears throat> Which is why, like you said, the singularity earlier. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, I think... If, if that's if that's the future for humanity, we have to form a hive like, mind before. I'm that. not I'm not speaking about this in a sense that I'm not implying I want any of that. What right, I, right, what right. I want I want forty acres and a house that I built with my own hands. Forty acres and, and a mule. I, I want goats yeah. and more kids and and I just want to be left the fuck alone. Right. But <laughs> if I'm totally honest, I don't see how something like the singularity is unnatural at some point bi- i agree i completely agree biological evolution doesn't end but biological evolution created human intelligence and it's very natural obviously for human intelligence to develop tools and to think abstractly and to look towards the stars and thusly um, participating in our own evolution is also natural. It's natural because it naturally happens. Right. You know? And so... And that's... I mean, I think that's exactly the point he's trying to get at here is that these people that... So going back to the BAP, Mm -hmm. Bronze Age pervert folks, they are the, you know, the Twitter anons that are online screaming about these, oh, fuck these bug men that are trying to globalize our society and take the jobs and ship them to Southeast Asia and fuck the environment and everything. And, but they're also, you know, proponents of Nietzsche's philosophy to a certain degree. Mm. Well, it's or adherents of Nietzsche's philosophy to a certain degree. They cherry pick it or they interpret it differently. Right. And, and what this guy's saying is, look, if, if we take Nietzsche at his most ruthless, this is what's going on. These bug men are... Maybe not the Ubermensch, but a step along the way towards the the stars, the consolidation of power, the you know homo- homogenization of the human population, so that everyone can work together because they have to work together. Because if they don't, we can't get off the planet. We can't build our you know whatever systems of intergalactic domination. <laughs> and if you look back, when you were talking about science fiction, like the dark-ass dark, dark ass science fiction, it's not, it's not fucking fringe. Like, I don't know, I'm not familiar with the, the, the world that... The 40K. Yeah. I'm not familiar with that, but everyone's familiar with the movie Alien, mm-hmm. which was the first, like, horror sci-fi mm-hmm. film... What do you see in the movie Alien? You have this faceless corporation that sent this group of 
uh, miners industrial or miners or yeah. whatever out to the middle of nowhere to find this alien species that the corporation wants to bring back to Earth to weaponize mm. as a sort of biological weapon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they respect the, the, corpor the corporate folks had this profound admiration for the alien species because they are a hive mind. Right. I'm, I'm really torn. I, I think about this flavor of stuff all the time. I think um, on one hand, uh, let's say I live, let's say I live 200 years further into the future when like there's a lot more, um, a lot more of the stuff is like seen and ha like really impacting our lives as right. normal, organic human beings. I would probably be like a Luddite. I would be like whatever new form of like Amish communities are right, like right. Th there, there will be that. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You know, and I would probably align myself with that just naturally. That's my natural inclination. It's like, fine, you guys go be cyborgs and fucking upload your consciousness to your computers or whatever. I'm going to, I'm just going to go live in the mountains with my friends and make moonshine. Right. Um, and have sex with like real women. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, not, a, on, on not the other, a VR headset, but on the other hand, uh, trying to make this as simple as possible. Uh, consciousness is not, I don't think consciousness is confined to this like romantic vision of a natural sort of like paleolithic lifestyle. Consciousness or enlightenment or ultimate reality, um, all, all good virtues can be manifested in a fucking spaceship subway worker, you know, like right. w whatever, um, wherever we find ourselves, if there is consciousness, then there's the potential for enlightenment, so to say. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, I, I see what you're saying. And I think what, What's disturbing about it right now is that we are still so bio constrained by our biology. It's a birthing process, and birth is ugly, as I recently witnessed. <laughs> give, giving birth to something is really stressful and painful and bloody and, like, literally shitty. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's horrific, and it's time-consuming. It's not fun. And I see... Just this whole thing as a whole is just like this nasty birthing process and a lot of shit's going to get wrecked in the process. Right. A lot of innocent people are going to suffer in the process and I don't see how you are going to rise to any sort of glory or greatness or the next fucking echelon of human consciousness or the ubermensch without trampling millions of innocent souls. Right. I mean, even in your own personal well, life. But that begs the question, like... Which I think is what uh, Ted Kaczynski was on about. Right. Yeah. Which is evolution is 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 evolution necessarily linear? No. We've seen vast civilizations develop just within the human species that have crumbled apart and set everybody back a thousand years for extended periods of time. The medieval, the Dark Ages, were the fallout of the Roman Empire. Is it the point to go to the stars? 
is that our is that our destiny? I don't know. I don't necessarily think so. Could be that we're living in an unsustainable civilization right now. We've allowed certain ideas to take the fore and lead us in directions that are becoming unsustainable. And there's a regression that needs to happen. I don't know about you. I don't know. I am my most creative and energetic and resourceful when I'm backed into a corner. Yeah. And I mean, unfortunately, a lot of people operate really well under stress and out of desperation or whatnot. Right. Um, I think it's an uniquely mammalian or maybe just human trait to almost require uh, the threat of the threat of extinction or just some type of crisis to a fire under your ass to level up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's maybe this is too uh, relativistic for your for your sensibilities, but. It's really hard for me to say, like, what is actually, like, bad and what is actually, like, I'm good at identifying what's good, but it's really hard for me to label, like, hard stop, this is absolutely bad. Like, I have a very short list of things that are actually, like, evil and fucked up. Well, no, and I I think that's, I think that's, I think most people are that way. I think the problem for me comes when people who are bad actors are willing to play around with the, like not draw the line in the sand Mm. to say to, you know, it's, it's Solzhenitsyn's concept of the line between good and evil is drawn between like within the human soul. It's every person's moral obligation to strive for the good and to put a stop to the evil that they see within themselves and within the world. How do you describe evil? Like as simply as possible. I know it when I see it. <laughs> um, I mean, it's it's that which is false. It's that which is done in bad faith. It's that which is um, manipulative. It's that which is. It, it's 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 living by lies. I think it, it's more. I think of evil as more associated with like falsity insincerity um like when people say like hitler was evil i think hitler had evil ideas that he for whatever reason glommed onto and tried to carry out in the world and yeah okay so maybe he was evil in the sense that he lied to the german people in order to carry out those nefarious schemes that's what I mean by evil. I don't think like, I don't know. A lot of the things people call evil today, like I don't, I don't understand how liberals or progressives, for example, can call Christianity a, a, an evil ideology. No. Like, it, no. What are you talking about? The vast majority of Christians that I know anyway are completely sincere in their beliefs. They are completely sincere when they tell you that Jesus Christ saved their soul. Like, whether you think what they're saying is wrong or not, they're sincere about it. 
And it's the, again, this goes back to the anonymous people on Twitter. It's not simple it's enough the, for me. It's the insincerity that I think is, is a bad seed. Got to distill it down to something more simple. Like, I don't know, throwing it out there. Evil is when you needlessly cause harm. That could be self-harm. could be harm to others. I think, or, that's, uh, I think that's good. Evil is when you take an action that is absolutely just diametrically opposed to your own like good instincts. Like you're doing right, something, right, 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 right. you're doing something and you know, in the back of your mind, you're like, this is kind of fucked up. I shouldn't be doing this. And you do it anyways. And you're, you're something just takes you over Yeah. and you're watching yourself doing it. And you're like, Oh man, I hope I stop doing this soon. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, I got to figure something else out. Like, man, I'm going to have to like come up with an alibi now. And like, oh, I'm going to have to go to therapy. You're going to have to start like, spinning I, a I web of lies, doing, a yeah. web of farragos. Right. So I think uh, distilled down to its essence, I think evil is when you're causing needless suffering. Yeah. There's no way out of this. I mean, I think that's a component causing, of it. I don't like, I'm not. I don't think we can come to a, like what is the core one thing that evil is. I yeah. think it's it's a it's an amalgamation. I think it's, I think it's helpful though it's, for us to like walk around with like a really simple like bullet point for right, right, right. yeah things. Yeah, when you like like you said, if you suddenly find yourself confronted with a choice, and you know you should choose one thing, but you're being compelled by something to do the other, the other is probably yeah. evil. <laughs> I think I think I think most people need these like quick soundbite type of ways to get themselves out of a bad decision in a pinch, and if they can just think to themselves like just a way to quickly uh, identify the essence of evil, because like even a little infraction, a little sin, it has the essence of evil in it, and right. that just snowballs into bigger evil. But exactly. Yeah. One other thing that I think is really helpful, maybe one of your listeners out there would find this. Um, something to useful too is um, you ever really need to tell someone something and you just don't know how, or maybe you just feel really ambivalent and uh, it's really stressing you out. Mm -hmm. uh, recently it just dawned on me. It was like, okay, how am I going to say this to, to this person? Um, what do I say? What, what do I even think? Fucking I was spinning my wheels and having anxiety attacks about it. And then I thought, Okay, what's a situation I would be in where it would be abundantly clear of exactly like what is my truth? Like what's my heart's truth? Like that's ultimate truth to me. Right. Like that's where wisdom lives. I would be 100% on it and straightforward if I knew I was dying. If I, let's say, I knew I, like I'm going to die in 10 minutes. All of a sudden, all the ambivalence, all the fucking self-delusion is just gone. Right. And there's that person in front of you, and you just say it. Yeah. And so recently... A politics of desperation. There you go. <laughs> um, so recently, like when I'm struggling to find the right words, it could just be a client of mine that's having a hard time. Right, right. Whatever. I'm just like, okay, real quick. Okay, I'm dying. I have 10 minutes to live. That person's staying right in front of me. What do I say to them? And I'm like, okay, I got it. And it just like helps me get out of my head, sink down into my heart and go, oh, that's that's it. It's that simple. Yeah. And usually the truth is the most simple fucking thing in the world. And in fact, like... And nine times out of 10, I mean, 99.999 times out of 100, when you confront that with somebody, 
the reception is not the the catastrophe that people you think are blown it's away be. when you are super authentic. They're right. almost caught off guard. They're blindsided and they're super appreciative of yeah. it. Even if it's like critic, like criticizing them or whatever. If you are 100% out of your ego and speaking from the heart, you can say whatever the fuck you want most of the time. Yeah. Well, and you you do it again with compassion. You yeah. don't you don't come at somebody and be like, "Hey, your form on that fucking deadlift is fucked up. If you don't fix it, you're gonna throw out your back, you stupid piece <laughs> of shit." You say, <laughs> which, you know, which I've been guilty of, but but uh, well, it depends on who you're talking to. The ego is really tricky and I found myself convincing myself that I'm speaking truth. It, the ego is tremendous at uh, diluting ourselves and like you could be speaking and you're thinking, oh, I'm being so authentic and honest right now and l- only later to find out like you were just being egotistical. Or you're, you're, you're justifying some selfish Right, like intention. you can you can convince yourself that this is your truth only right. later to completely regret it. But one one other tip is that the truth usually doesn't require a bunch of words. And what I found is that the more words you have to put into expressing yourself, the it's like a step. Each word you just walk further and further away from the truth of the matter. Oh yeah. So if you're if you if if you're like worried about what to say to someone Pretend you're about to die. Just meditate on that for a minute. Imagine them there. Think about it. You'll find it right away if you really put yourself there. And then just know, like, your delivery needs to be brief. And if you find yourself rambling, you're you're walking further and further away. So shut the fuck up. Just get it out and shut the fuck up. Words of wisdom. Words of wisdom. I couldn't have said it better myself. I, yeah. Um, just from... I guess the point at which I came out up until now, I've found every time I have a, whether it's a confrontation or not, I, it's a form of confrontation when you have to, when you like what you described, you feel like you have to say something to somebody, you're scared as shit to say it because you're worried about what the outcome will be. Again, 99.999% of the time, positive outcome. If it's not a positive outcome and you're speaking, you know, simply, as you said, from your heart with compassion, if it's not a good outcome, that's out of your fucking hands. Mm. That's the other person's problem. Well, what are you going to do? Yeah. You, you don't need to be too worried about keeping those people around in your life. Exactly. Exactly. Wheat from the chaff. <laughs> you know, it, the more I think about uh, speaking the truth, um, and you should do it into a- the microphone. Speaking the truth, not from your head. Um, the more I think about that, if I spend like a long period of time, like throughout a day, thinking about that, I start getting like I'll start wigging out and realizing like almost every single person all the time is just speaking half truths and lies all the time, and they don't even realize it. It's like everything yeah. that comes out of people's mouths are like. It's just habitual. A lot of things that we say are things we've heard or cliches or it's just like a prefabricated sentence in our head that right. just gets used as like an automatic response. Like, you know, those automatic responses that Gmail has. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's and even All good. It doesn't just because it's not true. Doesn't Thanks. Mean, it doesn't mean that it's malevolent, but it's just not true. Right. 
And but that I mean I, that part of that untru- that untruth is an element of evil mm-hmm. that right. creeps into the like world. That little essence. And will if y'all want to hear more about evil creeping into the world, I've got Ray Fox coming back on. I think next week to discuss Rene Girard's philosophy of mimetic contagion and how Satan is flapping his little wings and stirring things up in the world. And it's all going to come to a head. Someone at the gym recently asked me if I've looked much into germ theory and all the... Like in the biological sense? Yeah, and like all the alternative, like unpopular, like blacklisted alternative theories. Right. And like you, you mentioned mimetic contagion. He referenced some town in like the 1500s, like in Spain or France or something. Someone came into town like laughing and dancing hysterically and it caught on. Yeah. And all these people in this little town started doing it and all these people ended up dying of exhaustion from <laughs> laughing and dancing. Like no drugs involved. Well, apparently. hey, you don't have to look as far back. Look at Astro World. Yeah. With the, the Travis Scott incident. Mm-hmm. You know, nine pe- 10 people dead now. Over 300 injured. That's fucking From crazy. just a crowd. Just getting swept up hmm. by demons. <laughs> yeah, there's a... Um, that's, that's one way to look at it in terms of demons. I have a Russian Orthodox friend who would side with the demon theory. I mean, it's it, what's what's interesting is like, and in, in, I'll we'll get into this more next week. I don't want to go too down far down into the weeds, but like Gerard with his mimetic contagion theory posits that Satan is not some sort of entity that's like a personality that's prancing around, tickling you and trying to get you to do bad things. It's more the amalgamation of untruth, envy, jealousy, all of the things that you associate with evil flowing around in the world unchecked. And the more unchecked they become, the more powerful, scare quotes, Satan becomes. Right. Whereas like a secular person or a psychologist would say, you know, it's not not a literal demon, it's... Like you have a mental dysfunction, even even if it's just temporary, you are being inhabited by, you know, psychosis. Right, but that's yeah, and they'll be like the chemical imbalance and boo boo and it's like man, relinquish yourself of all responsibility. Material, right? Yeah, materialism. I'm sorry, but you can't, you can't. We we don't understand the human brain enough to be saying shit. Well, it's just like just the way the the religious person would say, oh, he. You know, it's kind of your fault. You let this demon in. You didn't stay on the straight and narrow. Like you could say, well, you let the dominant culture in. You right. let, you know, you let Twitter in. You you let Twitter you in. Let, you you let the pop music. You let in. that little blue bird into your house. Right. So now it's flapping around, and the cats can't catch it. So, yeah, I'm all about personal accountability, and you know, we know. not blaming anyone on your. For your problems, everything is on your shoulders. Yeah. And like I said last couple of podcasts ago, I think that's one of the things, you know, of all of the horrific things that the Catholic Church has done in its history and is still doing, 
the the notion that you are supposed to look at yourself first and blame yourself essentially first is I think indispensable to becoming a mature, healthy human being. Absolutely. That's ground zero. Day one. Well, folks, now that the uh, 9-11 reference has been dropped, I think that's it for today. Thank you, Sky, for coming in. Always a pleasure. I want to direct you all to Patreon. I don't know what else I had to say about that. Just give John money. He give us money. Job. It's not much money. It's not much money, and if you do that, you'll be able to hear the very beginning of our conversation, which is going to be paywalled, um, where we essentially perform fellatio on each other into the microphone. So yes. you're missing out. It sounds like French. It sounds like Hugo. Uh, and we'll see you all next time. Say goodbye. Later, guys. Later, guys.